greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome back to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. This is uh, session 19 in our Genesis 1 through 11 discipleship project. Again, we got a lot of stuff we want to try and cover in this uh, show. Uh, today, we're going to be getting into a little bit more, uh, finishing up on uh, last week when we talked about conflict in, uh, you know, religion and how this all began way back here in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel in a religious observance in their offerings and how religion was born and we talked last week about how religion is not pleasing to God and uh, we're going to finish up a little bit about that and the reason that we have to do that okay and get through some of this tough stuff is that prophetically speaking um, an eschatology means study of the end times and um, or last things so let's go ahead and start this off with prayer father in heaven i give you thanks and praise and and we just we just love you we love your word and we just ask lord that you would uh, help us to understand your word help us to do the right thing here and uh, that we might better understand the days and the times in which we live in and when there's great confusion your word brings us clarity hope and discernment for these days so we give you thanks and praise in jesus name all right now discernment is a part of uh, our ministry on the website um, that's there at the bottom of the screen um, discernment means to discern both good and evil it's it's the ability to be able to say that's good that's not good so if it's not good it's evil all right so what I want to do is last week we talked about these souls well the, uh, the the fifth seal was being opened up and how the souls were under the altar and these souls were were people who were killed simply for being Christians for holding to the Word of God and we, we've seen this over and over through church history if you just do a cursory uh, examination of church history you'll find a sad uh, chronicling of like the uh, Spanish Inquisition and, and things like that that are just really ungodly uh, things were being done in, in the in the name of uh, you know God and the, the papal wars and, and the Crusaders who would just go in and butcher and there was uh, uh, one Pope I don't remember his name coined the phrase that we, we we've heard uh, you know kill them all and let God sort them out well that came from uh, one of the popes who was commissioning these armies to go through and they wanted to know you know what do we do when we get to this city and the Pope's orders and the papal wars back then where he was just like kill them all let God sort them out because there was Jews Christians pagans and Muslims living in those cities and until this day um, a lot of Muslims 
And a lot of Jews think that this was an act by Christians. Not. They were religious? Yes. Very religious. But it was for temporal power. And we're going to go ahead and look at how religion, as we've been saying the last few sessions, is unpleasing to God. Now, I want to take you, uh, prophetically speaking, which is why we're taking a little bit of extra time here to open up um, the way of Cain is outlined in Jude 11 when it talks about Balaam, who was a prophet, and Korah, who was of the tribe of Levi, who challenged Moses' leadership. So this is all apostasy, and apostasy means uh, a defecting, a falling away. It is a, 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 a rebellion against the truth, against the revealed truth. And that's what it says in Jude um, he says, you know, the faith was delivered once. And we might get to that today and talk about that a little bit, so I might be able to show you that. But here, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing back to the church in Thessalonica. All right? He was explaining to them after the first epistle, 1 Thessalonians, to them, he was clarifying that they thought that the end times had begun. They thought that the day of the Lord had come. And they were wondering what was going to happen to their brothers and sisters in Christ who had died. They wondered, how is the rapture, which is the catching away, the snatching away of, of the church, the true church, the true mystical body of church that only God knows who truly are saved, okay, that are born of the Spirit of God, that that is the bride of Christ, that he will come back, as he said in John chapter 14, if I go away, he says, I will come again. That's the second coming. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you know, you will be also. And he says that he's coming back for his bride. All right, that's... Uh, a good teaching that when you're done with this series that we commend uh, that to you. But the Apostle Paul here is clarifying this teaching. All right? And in the first epistle, he gave them some information and they were still confused a little bit. So he gave them even more information that he taught this very early in their walk that uh, when he planted this church in Thessalonica, that they, he was only there, you know, two, three weeks, because that's the way he used to do things um, before he got run out of town. And um, by, by probably Cain, the way of Cain. So it says here in chapter 2, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, so that's his second coming, and our gathering to him. So these are two different events. This is the second coming, okay, and the rapture. That's the gathering, all right? We ask that you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if as the day of Christ had come because people were circulating. It had already happened. The tribulation had begun. You know, the Antichrist is out there rolling around. And uh, he says, no, 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 no. 
he says that can't happen because he says he gives us some clarification of some things that need to happen before the, the, the day of the Lord and the judgment in, in Revelation chapters uh, you know, 5 up through describe the day of the Lord and the judgments and, and the, the, you know, how God just is going to wrap up everything that he said he was going to do way back here. Okay, but God's not slack, all right, concerning his promises. Most people say, well, you know, why is the Lord waiting and all this? And, and if God is so good, why doesn't he, you know, just come and take care of evil? Well, that's because he's waiting on you maybe, okay, and others to get saved. He wants you to get saved. He wants you to be with him. All right, so he's like a farmer waiting for the fruit to come in. He's, he's waiting on that harvest. So he says, let no one deceive you. All right, the Apostle Paul says here, by any means, because there's plenty of deception going on, and that's why we're talking about this. The apostates are deceivers by nature. All right, and he says, for that day, that's being the day of the Lord, will not come unless they're falling away. That's the apostasia. That's the apostasy, comes first. And the man of sin, that's the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of perdition, that means destruction, okay, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And then Paul says, do you not remember that I was still with you? I told you all these things. He told them these these. <laughs> Uh, what today's church thinks are heavy concepts and stuff. He told them, taught them this like in their first three weeks they were Christians. The Apostle Paul taught this. He, he hit the run uh, going, but he goes through and he, he describes some more things. But what I want to just highlight here, uh, because we don't have a lot of time, is the apostasy. Now Jude, okay, in, uh, it's just one chapter long uh, book and we uh, we like to call that the Acts of the Apostates. All right, that these uh, rebellious they've abandoned the truth. They're defectors. Um, they no longer believe in the inspired uh, word of God. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe in the virgin birth. We're talking about religious people here. That's what we've been concentrating here on Genesis chapter 4, that just because somebody has stained glass windows, big buildings, big budget, uh, maybe a huge jumbotron or whatever in their church, and I'm not saying anything about any church because I don't know the hearts of, of all the pastors that are out there. So let's look at what Jude says here. Jude, I commend this to your reading. Go ahead and read it. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, is actually a brother of Jesus also, all right, half-brother. To those who are called and sanctified, we talked about sanctification, that means being set apart for God, for his service, by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Hallelujah. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith which was delivered once for all 
delivered to the saints. Because we have all kinds of new revelation out there. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Islam, uh, New Agers. There's all kinds of things um, that say that they have new revelation from God. They claim to be on the uh, behalf of God. Cults, isms that say, hey, the Christians got it wrong. Um, we need to straighten this out. This is how it goes. And, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians and 2 Corinthians, he talks about how there's only one gospel, there's only uh, one Jesus, because other religions and other apostates promote a different gospel, which he warns, and he strictly condemns it in the most strongest of, of language and condemnation because even God says that, the, that he reserved the hottest places of hell, okay, for those who deceive people and claim to do that on God's behalf, all right? But when he says to earnestly contend, this is, this is a, um, in the Greek, it's, it's uh, to to uh, contend is, is in a competition to, to, I mean, get in there and fight for this thing. So it's not to be taken lightly. He says, I, you need to get in there and exhort, which means teach, okay? And that's what we're all about here, all right? Contend for the faith, which was delivered how many times? What does it say there? Once, delivered to the saints, okay? Done, <laughs> sealed. That's, that is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember, gospel is good news, all right? So, but Kate, this is where he says, verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. The idea is they slipped in under the door, who long ago, because this did not take God by surprise, okay? And that's what Cain represents way back here, all right? And he says, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, all right? Ungodly men who turn the grace of God because they want to do things their own way. They build religious systems based around uh, whatever rules and mandates. I mean, there's more flavors out there of, of Christianity than, than Baskin-Robbins. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there. And he says there's ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness, all right, and deny, that's the people who they just deny all kinds of things. These are the Brian McLarens, uh, a lot of emergent teachers, and, and um, you know, they, they are trying to pave a way where they say, you know, we need to change everything. And Jude says... They're ungodly, all right? And, and that's scripture. So they deny all these things. And he's, so he says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So we're talking about it's faith, right? God provided a salvation, okay, he provided a way out of Egypt for those people, but those people, many of them, okay, a, an entire generation just about, except for Joshua and Caleb, 
wandered in the desert in unbelief when God began to give them revelation of his word they would whine and complain and how we're so prone to do that including myself that um, you know we need to just take God at his word and they weren't trusting God they as a matter of fact they were complaining against him in, in, in the delivery and the salvation that he had uh, made for them and so they complain and it says, and afterward, he destroyed those who did not believe. But God also raised up a godly generation who, under the leadership of Joshua, okay, which is Moses is like a picture of the law. Joshua is actually the Old Testament name for Jesus, Yeshua, or Yehoshua, all right? So he brings them into the promised land. That is a, it is like a prototype there of how Jesus would fulfill the law and bring his people in uh, to faith and into a, a pleasing faith that pleases God. And it says right here, verse 6, and the angels, okay, who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment, all right, for that day. And that's where we will get into that when we get into Genesis chapter 6. So we're not going to uh, talk too much about that. And um, so verse 8, we'll skip down. And he says, uh, likewise, also, these dreamers, okay, who defile the flesh, reject authority. So we're getting some, some uh, uh, characterization here of them. Speak evil of dignitaries, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, okay, dared not bring against him, against the devil, a reviling accusation, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. So that's what he did in his own authority. He could have reviled him with all kinds of accusations that would have been true, but he didn't. All right, he exercised some restraint there that uh, a lot of us probably could learn to do. All right, so it says right here, um, here's some hallmarks. And he says, but these, he's talking about these apostates and these unbelievers, these ungodly men, says, speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally. He says, like brute beasts, he's talking about dumb animals that have no understanding. Okay, he says, this is they just, this is the part of their nature. All right, and he says, they're like brute beasts. In these things, they corrupt themselves woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain okay remember that's doing religion his own way hypocrisy right he tried to do things you know works based you know he didn't really believe that he was a sinner he was just going through the motions alright and his heart just wasn't right before God then we have um, the way of Cain and they have run greedily in the era of Balaam. Balaam was a prophet that was hired by the king of Moab, Balak, to curse Israel. Okay? Uh, and he taught, okay, Balak how to get Israel to sin. God, would, I call this the Balaam uh, strategy, where he taught them to put a stumbling block and to cause 
the children of Israel, and because God is righteous and holy, he had to judge sin. This nation, Balaam taught them, being a prophet, all right, he couldn't, he couldn't prophesy uh, a curse over them, so he instructed for money, for gain, Okay, he used his gift and he perverted it. And remember, we've talked about perversion is altering something from its original intent. So the, the era of Balaam was, he did this for, uh, for money, profit. And the third person here, another religious person, perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, this is what it talks about in, um, in Numbers. Korah was... A, um, a, a Levite, um, uh, Moses and Aaron were Levites. The, 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 that's the priestly line of the, uh, you know, the way God set up the original priesthood. But he took it upon himself with some other people that they didn't like that re relationship, that leadership. And so they challenged Moses' uh, authority and God's authority and and basically, in a nutshell, the story goes down that Moses says, hey, if I'm not from God and, and, and God didn't appoint us, then um, fine. But he goes, if he did, then let God do something new here. And God opens up the earth under uh, Korah and the people that were in a rebellion uh, with him against the godly leadership that God had set forth, clearly, okay, that they just, they got sucked right into the earth, flames and everything, right to hell. And <laughs> it's a pretty sobering uh, story uh, right there. But let's uh, see some of these things. And I want you to know that these are all religious things. This is why understanding that the great apostasy is here. There's always been apostates, okay, all the way back from Cain, all right? But Paul reminds us that the great falling away, and today we've got entire denominations, and, and that's why there's not, there's not one place today, one denomination, I would say you're safe going to uh, that church, uh, just based on its denomination. 50, 60 years ago, we could have said that about a lot of them, but today, um, I don't think so. But it says, they are spots in your love feasts, and while they feast with you without fear, okay, serving only themselves, since they're clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And then as we're going to see, like in the next chapter, we're going to see Enoch, he goes through here, he says he predicted this. But I'm going to skip down to verse 16. says, these are grumblers, complaining, walking according to their own lusts. That's their own desires, okay? That they, they just want to do their own thing. They, they, they reject authority. They just want to do their own thing. They're, <laughs> they're not really concerned with God. They, they just want a place. They want to be elevated. And we've seen here... 
uh, they, they just don't produce fruit. They might grow real big, but they don't produce fruit. And the fruit God's looking for, as we did a tour through Luke one time, was God's looking for the fruit of repentance. And if we don't realize that we're sinners, okay, who um, are looking at judgment from God, all right, then we, we are in trouble, okay, if, if we don't have a proper understanding of that we're sinners in need of saving, okay? And I get a little excited about that because I, I knew a man and I love him, but I heard him say twice from the pulpit that he didn't need to preach about sin. And I did one of these prairie dog things where I was like, what do you mean? Our Bible, okay, except for the first two chapters, we've done this before, right? The first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, okay, talk about this issue called sin, all right? And God has made a way, and if sin wasn't that important to talk about, then Christ need to come and die a bloody, horrible, painful death in my place. And that's why I love God. And I know this isn't always pleasant stuff, but he loves you, he's got a good plan for you, and he wants you to know the truth. All right, that's why he got so, so riled up against those other leaders. All right. The Apostle Paul writing late in his ministry to Timothy, his young protege, talks about doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. All right, that's like a dirty word today in a lot of uh, churches today. Verse 3, it says, As I urge you when I went into Macedonia, that's like Greece, and remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables, endless genealogies, which just cause disputes rather than godly edification. That's why doctrine's important. That's why we teach it. All right? But then um, I want to go down... And, and this is my, my prayer for you as we, as we close out today's show. Verse 12, all right? It says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man. Paul was, I, I was, everybody who... Before Jesus, I mean, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious man, but now he says, I was, now when he sees himself in God's light, he says, I was a, a uh, you know, a blasphemer, a persecutor, insolent, but I obtained mercy, and that's what we all need. I want you to pray and ask for mercy, all right? God is merciful. That's his character and nature, all right? It says, but because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and that's everybody, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saving, saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern Okay, to those who are going to believe, that's you and me, on him for everlasting life. 
now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, God alone who is wise, be glory forever and ever. Am. And he says, For this I charge you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made to you concerning them, that by them you may wage a good warfare. And that's what this part is all about, the tough part. Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected, that's the apostates, okay, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. All right? Now, we have have better things in mind for you. Stay in the Word. Invite Christ into your life if you haven't done so already. Trust his word, read his word every day, pray, give thanks and praise. And until next time, my name's Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. God bless you. session 19 in our Genesis 1 through 11 study. Uh, My name is Keith McKenzie. Uh, We also want to just make you aware of a few other things here as we do some uh, ministry housekeeping. That that song you hear at the end of these uh, sessions is from our friend uh, John Waller. Uh, If you like that song, as for me and my house, you can find it at his website, which is John Waller Music. Dot com, and that's with two L's. And uh, you can download that song for free there. Uh, his new album will be available May of 2011, which is just around the corner at the time of this taping. If you want to stay up to date with other ministry items and teachings that we have uh, in our theological index with uh, Pastor Conway Campbell, We have Angelology, which is the study and doctrine of angels. That's about 15 sessions. Uh, The Bibliology, which is the study and doctrine of the Bible. That is going to be close to probably 30 to 40 sessions by the time that's done. We've got about half of that ready to go. Some more of that will be coming up. So if you want to stay up to date with those, we have a Matthew uh, 13 Kingdom Parable study coming. We have uh, two of those sessions already recorded. We have um, a prophecy. Why is it important to study Bible prophecy, especially with the advent of uh, uh, very large uh, ministries having conferences that see the futurist view of prophecy as dangerous, which is nearly comical if it wasn't for the seriousness of uh, things that we see taking on place in the world today with the uh, Middle East unraveling and major earthquakes. Um, It's just kind of boggles our mind here that some people are just so blind because of their uh, the way that they view eschatology which is the study of 
last things or the end times. And uh, the Lord gave us indeed many, many signs and he chastised the uh, religious people of his day for not understanding the times that they were in. You can stay up to date with all those things at uh, www.amos37, that looks like A-M-O-S, the number's 37.com. You can also find our Facebook, and we recommend that you download these through iTunes so as those studies become available. You can have them, and as always, we want you to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him. May God richly bless you.